0: Thank you for your support. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Jeffrey Deckman about his book, Developing the Conscious Leadership Mindset for the 21st Century. Jeffrey Deckman, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast.
1: Thank you. Happy to be here, John.
0: Yeah, it is a pleasure to be with you today. You're joining us from the Nashville area. I'm south of Salt Lake City in Utah. And today we're going to be talking about your book, Developing the Conscious Leadership Mindset for the 21st Century. Really interesting topic to me. And I'm super excited to unpack this and learn more about the types of leadership um pitfalls and mistakes that that people sometimes fall into, what we can do about it, and really how we can grow into uh, the leader of the future organization that will, you know, lead successful teams in the future of work. As we get started, I wanted to share Jeffrey's bio with everybody. Jeffrey Deckman is a nationally recognized thought leader and award-winning author on the next evolution of leadership, conscious leadership. His background is one of a serial entrepreneur who has bootstrapped two multi-million dollar companies, several nonprofits, and multiple political organizations. And that's just a snippet. I could go on and on. Um, You've done so many things, but I'm going to pause there. Anything else you would like to highlight for me or the audience by way of your background or personal context before we dive on in?
1: you know i think the main thing is that uh i'm a, i'm a researcher i'm a bit of a futurist but i'm a realistic futurist you know having built companies on my own i i could not afford to just embrace platitudes so the work that i've done i really looked over the horizon for the last 15 years and i i i saw the changes that are coming that we're now experiencing and I just really developed uh, processes that help leaders to be able to shorten their learning curve to get from the old way of leading and managing into a way that's much more adaptive to today.
0: Yeah, well, I like that. I like the learning curve piece that you just mentioned, the adaptability piece. And really, we do, we need to be ready for continuous growth, continuous improvement, continuous change in the modern right. World, it's just so messy, so complex, so many inner, inner uh, mixed pieces and elements of these large systems that are impacting everything we're doing. And so, gone are the days, you know, where we could kind of have a command control kind of model of leadership that would allow organizations to be successful in the long run. Uh, that's just not adaptive enough. It doesn't lean on the expertise of your people enough, and uh, organizations will become obsolete and frankly irrelevant, and they won't be able to provide value to the market if if that's the kind of leadership that is uh, taking the organization, I would say forward, but it's not going to take them forward. It's going to stagnate or maybe take them backwards. Uh, So we need to be very careful about that.
1: Yeah, it'll take it back. And the other thing is all the stuff that I talk about, you know, I'm a, I'm an active consultant, leadership, organizational development, et cetera. And everything I talk about are things that I have made work in organizations. So Uh, You can operationalize them. Some people think it's a little bit woo-woo, but I can assure you it's not. And uh, I built my entire consulting practice on these principles. And I figured that if they work for me, uh, I can teach other people to make them work for them as well. And that's really my purpose.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, let's start by uh, talking about the book a little bit from kind of the inception. Why this book? Why now? Uh, obviously, you have tons of experience uh, that I imagine, you know, you're wanting to share. Um, that's the origin story for a lot of books. But why specifically this topic, this um, this book this, at this time?
1: Well, because we're really in a historical place in uh, human development. You know, we are entering the fourth uh, phase of human evolution. You know, the first age was nomadic. That was 50,000 years, 100,000 years, however long. Then we went to the agricultural age, and that allowed us to be able to create communities and cities and towns and educate ourselves, et cetera, because we we didn't have to move around all the time. Uh, That was about, oh, I don't know, 10,000 years, and then we went into the industrial age. Uh, Industrial age allowed us to advance civilization quite a bit, for better and worse. But uh, you know, and that lasted about 300 years, and we went into the infor- now we're coming into the information age. And every time you go from one age to another, there are fundamental changes that occur that you have to be able to be aware of, uh, anticipate, and more importantly, adapt to. And uh, frankly, with the advent of AI, uh, there are some, you know, really forward thinking people that are saying we're already out of the information age and going into the intelligence age. So, you know, in each of these ages bring with them more complexity and uh, an increase in how life spins around us. Uh, So, you know, for us to be going into that new age, we cannot lead and build organizations using an industrial age model in a networked world. Uh, Complexity destroys linearity and speed just is, uh, you know, you you cannot have hierarchies and bureaucracies and silos and to be able to survive and thrive in this world. So for the last 15 years, literally. I spent some time in a, in a think tank early on, uh, but I've been looking at where is civilization and the world going, and the business world. Uh, what are the new models that are being uh, that are being required, and uh, what do we have to do to start embracing these new paradigms and implementing them so that we can thrive and uh, or at least survive in this new age? So that's that's what all of my work is about, and the biggest change that we have to make is and leadership is traditionally top-down command and control, ego-based, right? It's a winner-loser uh, type mentality. And not everyone, but I'm speaking in, in generic terms. So what we have to do is we have to realize that we need a different level of consciousness to be able to lead in this world. You know, we've got the four or five most independent-minded generations in the history of humanity in, in the workforce, and none of them want to be told what to do. They all, want to, they all want to understand uh, why they're doing what they're being asked to do. They want the bigger picture, and they want input. Boomers like myself, we want that because we've been around for a while. We have something to offer. And the youngest generations want that because they've been raised to uh, expect that they have a lot of input. So the old command and control methods don't work. We need a, We have a different level of consciousness of worker in the workplace, so we need, as leaders we need to develop a new type of consciousness to be able to lead those folks effectively.
0: Yeah. Well, I love that. And I agree with everything you just said. Um, I think that that is the new reality. And I know we're kind of dragging some old school leaders kicking and screaming into this, this uh, current present uh, circumstance and the future of work. And as we mentioned earlier, you know, if you're hanging on to the reins and, and trying to maintain that kind of old model, uh you're just not going to get good people. Uh your organization is going to stagnate or decline. Uh you, you're just not going to be able to stay relevant in the modern um in the in the modern economy, in the modern world of work. Uh so it's really, really essential for all the reasons you just mentioned that we uh shift gears and start to develop uh this kind of conscious leadership mindset. You, so you well, highlighted, gonna... you know and, and, go go ahead. And, go ahead.
1: Yeah. And this isn't an opinion and it's not a fad. It's a fact. We're at the end of the, the, uh, the S-curve of the industrial age thinking and yes. mentality. And uh, a friend of mine, he was a partner of mine in the think tank, Larry Quick, he does a lot of work on super high-level strategic planning with governments and corporations, et cetera. And he talks about if you don't adapt your thinking, you're going to enter MADNESS. And mm. MADNESS is an acronym, the M-A-D, for Managed Accelerated Decline. Mm. And that's just what's going to happen. And, you know, uh, anybody who doesn't embrace this reality and start to make adjustments, you know, they're just going to pay a price. It's, it's a form of physics. Uh, and I don't want to sound ominous or threatening, but, you know, uh, this is where we are. And it's th- those who adapt, accept it and adapt to it are going to have great careers and build great businesses. Those that aren't are, are just going to suffer.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. And I don't think it's ominous. I think actually it's 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 a really great development. Um, you know, oh, I, I'm in a, space, in a university space, in a university space and in the consulting space, you know, I'm meeting with students or with leaders and talking about this all the time and talking about, you know, the principles of effective leadership, um, the pitfalls of leadership and how to overcome them, et cetera. Like all the types of things that you're talking about in your book, ultimately, We've been teaching many of these things uh in a corporate setting or in a university setting for years, for decades. They're just it's it's been slow to be adopted in some places. And some people are holding onto the reins and trying to maintain, you know, their approach that they, you know, have had career success in, uh, moving and continue that into the future. Um, really, though, I see this as a positive change. It's not ominous. It's 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 positive change for people and for organizations that will allow for individuals to do more meaningful purpose-driven work, to do cooler stuff, to have bigger impact um, because leaders are no longer uh, controlling everything, but they're empowering their people to leverage their expertise to help the organization be successful. That is a a win. That's a plus, I think. And it will negatively impact people who aren't willing to adapt and learn and grow into this kind of new approach. Um, But let's also put a fine point on this we say the new approach, but it's not that new. Like we've been talking about this for a long time. Like these are principles and elements that, that uh, we've been promoting for a long time. Uh, they've just been slow to be adopted in some places. And we, we need to accelerate the adoption and the ability to be agile uh, and the adaptability uh, of leaders across organizations. You know, I, you talked about the siloed organization, the the bureaucratic organization, uh, on the one hand, you know, I'm entrepreneurial, I have a consulting business, I do those sorts of things. Um, very little hierarchy, very little bureaucracy, um, quick moving, we can move rapidly, iterate rapidly. On the other hand, I'm a university professor and the universities are about the oldest, stodgiest bureaucratic types of organizations, the most st- siloed types of organizations that exist. <laughs> and it, it becomes like so frustrating sometimes to see it, it with very, with, with just incredible clarity Mm -hmm. what needs to happen and the impossibility to make it happen because of the layers of bureaucracy and the siloed decision-making um, that often exists within universities. Um, so we need to find a way to adapt organizations, to reform the work design and the structures of these institutions, uh, so that they can be more adaptable and leverage these mindsets that we have in, in the types of leaders we're. Yeah,
1: promoting. and and the and the challenge has been, you know, people who may want to adapt. If they don't know where they can go to learn, it can feel intimidating. That's where the ominous part comes in. As people are saying, look, the, I see the tidal wave is coming, but man, I don't know how to build the boat. Somebody help me build the boat. So what we need are we need new mindsets. You know, we have to transform our leadership. So we need a new mind. Transformation requires three, three things, three fundamental things, a new mindset, a new model, and new methods that you can apply. And uh, that's what I've put together over the last 15 years are those new mindset, which I talk about in the book, which is leadership is a state of consciousness, it can't, be. don't lead as an from your ego, lead as a tribal elder. And if you think about what an elder feels like, uh, you you can already, you can get a sense for what that is within your own space. I don't need to tell you what an elder feels like. If you think of an indigenous tribe, that type of stuff. Uh, And the new model that we need is we really need to be able to look at organizations not as machines that can be defined by org charts, but as living, breathing organisms, we're living, breathing organisms, and uh, then we need new methods that we can use that uh, connects with people and activates the collective genius and the uh, tribal nature of our organizations. Organizations aren't departments as much as they're tribes, they're a tribe of tribes, and uh you know, the the level of consciousness that we need, you know, I, I like to try to bring things down to make them as simple as possible, but they can stick. Uh, and authenticity, integrity, and respect are three cornerstones of a conscious leader. And uh, I call it leading with air. Authenticity is me being honest with who I am to me. Integrity is me being of good character and, and showing that in the world. And respect is respecting myself and my boundaries, you and your boundaries, and respect the organization we're working for or that's paying us. And we have to go away from the command and control to think of a leader as a communicator, a collaborator, and a facilitator, not a dictator. And it's, that's a hard shift to be able to, okay, you know, the old way worked. I was able to hit my metrics. And I'm held accountable for performance. So if I start to loosen up a little bit from command and control, how do I ensure that I'm able to still hit those metrics and get the performance? And the good news is when you empower people, when you engage them, they automatically increase their their performance. Mm -hmm. And if you want employee engagement, first start to engage them. You know, Gallup shows that 70% of the uh, employees are, are unengaged. Their, their surveys also show that 70% want to be engaged. In addition, they do management surveys, and about 70% of managers want their employees engaged. So I look at it and I say employee engagement is not a people problem, it's a model problem. We're doing it wrong. Command and control, nobody wants to play a game if they if they don't have a, a chance to move their own pieces around the board, right? Everybody just wants to go home. So if you allow them into the game and you empower them and include them in some of the decision-making, they get a sense of ownership. And with that ownership comes stewardship. Yes. And with that stewardship comes a willingness to work together because we have tribal pride. We want our team to win. And if you can build that beyond just the surface level, yay team and that kind of stuff, that that stuff doesn't work in today's world. But if you really take the time to connect with people with authenticity, integrity and respect, you'll see they'll start to come in with you and then together you're going to be headed in the proper direction. Because the way the world's changing and shifting, nobody's smart enough to do it all. We need the Mm -hmm. collective genius of everyone, and we need to figure out how to get there. And we need to get our egos and our fears or whatever our attachments are out of the way to elevate our consciousness to be much more collaborative. And if you do it, it's tricky. But uh, that's what all my work's about. In fact, I'm starting a a nine-week certification training class on April 22nd. Uh, and, uh, it's really going to be cool where I walk people through these new mindsets and give them some actual tools they can use. And, uh, yeah, so I'm pretty excited about that. It's the second one I've done in the past year and they're just really mind, mind blowing, really effective too, but that's where we have to go and we can go yeah. kick streaming, but, <laughs> but we got to go there because this is coming. It's here.
0: It, it's, it is the reality. And, you know we can bury our heads in the sand or whatever metaphor you want to use um but the reality is that this is what's happening um so we have to either learn and adapt or or uh we're going to suffer and you mentioned the gallup surveys you know not only is it disengaged but actively disengaged individuals oh, yeah. the yep. the the number of people in organizations who are actively disengaged is staggering um right. and talk about missing a missed opportunity Uh, For, you know, leveraging the collective genius of your people. (laughs) If you have, you know, close to 70% of your people actively disengaged, (laughs) there's no wonder we have issues with quite quitting and the great resignation and any other of the kind of fad terms that are being thrown around out there. The the fad terms, you know, a new one crops up every now and then. But all these are rooted in core issues that have been issues for a long time. um, That aren't fads. In fact, they are what have been driving challenges within organizations for a really long time. And you just highlighted the engagement piece is huge. Uh, The empowerment piece is huge. And ultimately, we need to design organizations in such a way where where conscious leaders, you know, people who have the shift in mindset have the capability to lead teams that way. That's one of the things that I see as a big hurdle here is when we think about organization design, when we think about job design, when we think about the hierarchies and the systems of organizations, the policies, practices, and procedures of organizations, oftentimes you'll have a progressive forward-thinking leader who, who wants to adopt this kind of an approach, but they're within a system that doesn't really allow for it. And if that's the case. You know, you're, you're either going to burn those people out because they're just going to constantly be churning, you know, trying to make something happen to, to shift the culture, beating their heads against the wall. Uh, they're either going to burn out or they're going to leave because they're going to want to go to an organization that will have that kind of a culture, that kind of an environment and atmosphere. Um, so many organizations not only are struggling to have leaders with the that, that kind of mindset, those kind of skills and capabilities, but th- they haven't. Worked on the systems and the structures and the design of the organization itself to make it a place where these things can happen and and where this kind of empowerment can be fostered and where people can excel, where they're given permission to excel, uh, if that makes sense.
1: You're exactly right with that. And, you know, about a year ago, I shifted my work. You know, I do a lot of leadership development training and coaching and that type of stuff, pretty high level. But what I started really telling uh, my my clients was, look, leadership training, leadership development is not enough. Because just to your point, if you develop your leaders, but you have an undeveloped organization, you're just going to have burnout. So, you know, the body can't move forward just by moving one leg. Right. So you have to do leadership development, organizational development, leadership development, organizational development. Otherwise, you have top gun pilots and you're putting them in a World War One biplane and they're just going to get shot out of the sky. Right. So it's it's absolutely critical that you that both of those move forward. And the good news is if you do this and you do it well, it is such an unbelievable competitive advantage for you. Because you will be an early adopter in something that's hard to learn, difficult to implement. You know, it'll it'll take you a better part of a year to do it really well. Uh, but once you're on that path, you have a tendency to do more of it better because you see how it, it affects morale and it absolutely affects the bottom line. You know, higher engagement equals higher productivity, yeah. higher productivity equals higher profits. You know, it's math. Uh so, this is, uh, this is really where we're at. And uh, organizational development is important. And the good news is when you start looking at your organization, you start engaging the people. If you do it right, you engage the people who are in, in those departments and you're asking them what's working, what's not working, and how can we shift? That increases engagement. You help them, that increases their input into the design. Which increases their sense of ownership and their sense of stewardship. So resiliency happens and it happens automatically. You know, it's part, it's in our tribal DNA to keep our tribes that feed us healthy. We want to do that. And the reason we get in get disengaged is when we see leaderships or organizations that allow toxic people or toxic situations to occur and not do anything. And after a while, people are like, look, if you don't care, I don't care because I'm banging my head against the wall. I just had a conversation with a very successful high-level consultant who was working at a, a, a bank that everybody would know the name of it. They brought him in to do leadership development, organizational redesign, et cetera. And he was in there for a year. And he said, Jeff, six months into it, they hired an outside consultant. In addition to me, he was on the payroll uh and in, in addition to me, because they wouldn't believe me but and then the outside consultant gave them a report, and they didn't do anything with it, and he just resigned from there. he said because i I can't work they they say they want it, but they really don't want to change how they're doing things, and frankly, I think the banking industry's in for a lot of shocks in the next couple of years because of what's happening now, but also because how their institutional framework is put in yeah. place. Very conservative, focused strictly on uh, financial capital and an age when human capital trumps financial capital. You get the human capital stuff right, the financial capital is going to happen. That's a lag. Financial capital is a lagging indicator of how well you're doing your human capital. So you get the human stuff right, that collective genius going, your money's going to show up. Your, yeah. inten- your retention is going to increase. Uh, your engagement's going to increase and your workload is going to decrease as a leader. So there's a lot of good reasons to embrace this stuff.
0: Yeah, and, and frankly, I'm an advocate for an employee-centric workplace, You know, investing in your people, a human-centric model of leadership. Um, all of that is something I believe strongly in just because I think it's the right thing to do. I think it's you know uh, the right thing from a human perspective um, to treat people that way with dignity and respect. And I think that's the best yeah. way to do it. But as you mentioned, there is such a clear business case for all of this. And the ROI of all of this is so crystal clear that when you, you you don't have to even care about your people to see why (laughs) this would be a good idea to do (laughs) because the, the ROI is tremendous and you will have better outcomes for your organization. The best surefire way to make yourself look good as a leader, you know, you talked about it not being about ego and such, and I agree, but the, the the irony here is honestly like the best way for you to look like an amazing leader and to get the praise of everyone around you and think you're just amazing. All that ego stuff is for you to let go of the ego stuff and to just like focus on your team and let them do cool stuff. And then they'll make you look good. Right. And they'll, they'll drive up higher indicators and the metrics and every, everyone wins in that scenario. Um, So, so let's stop dragging our feet and let's just move into the future uh, with this new kind of mindset and this new kind of model.
1: You know, and one of the challenges for people who are really financially oriented, to your point, you know, they're, they're, they, they don't see how the, the money shows up. I wrote an article, it's on it's on my website, jeffreydeckman.com, it's under the white papers. I turned it into a white paper and it's called EE equals EBITDA, employee engagement equals EBITDA. And I had come up with a formula that shows as you increase employee engagement, how that increases your bottom line. It's formulaic, and and when I put it together, I wanted to test how accurate it was. So I was living in Rhode Island at the time, and I did a, uh, a two-hour presentation in front of the Rhode Island Society of CPAs. There were twenty-one CPAs in the room, and I went through this thing and I made my pitch. And at the end of it, I said, "You know, what do you think? Is my formula on, or am I off? Because I'm I'm not a mathematician." <laughs> And, uh, you know, to a person, uh, there are a couple of questions that came up, but to a person, they all agreed, you know, your your formula has merit. So if anybody wants to see how significant uh, your profitability will go up with an increase, just five or 10% increase in employee engagement, which you can do with your eyes closed. Uh, in fact, what I did was I used a uh, an example of a company that had a two million dollar compensation budget that increased employee engagement by five percent. I think it was five percent, and it resulted in a fifty thousand dollar increase in profits to the bottom line. And then, you know, that's without spending any money, right? So it's it's free money. And then I said, imagine if you continue that for three years. That's one hundred and fifty thousand dollars of retained earnings. Then when you go to sell the business. A lot of businesses have a multiplier of, let's say, six of your retained earnings. So you've got an extra one hundred and fifty thousand dollars times six. That's about an extra million dollars you've added to the valuation of your company just because you treated people right and got them more engaged and increased uh, pro, uh, their their employee yeah. engagement productivity. I mean, it's once again, it's just math, but it's really hard to make to make that shift. And uh there are a lot of good training programs out there. And like I mentioned, I I do a couple that are designed specifically for this. I, I did I put together a program called the M3 Process for Leadership and Organizational Transformation. And it won the uh it won me the bronze uh medal of innovator of the year from the International Business Awards. And what that does is it deals with first the new mindset you need, the new organizational model you need, and then the new leadership methods that you have to put in place. Uh, and there's some information on that in my in my website as well. I try to make my website a place of learning. You can go in and, yeah, I'm selling stuff. But at the same time, uh, yeah. there's videos in there. I've got a YouTube channel. There's blogs. There's articles. My goal is to get as much of this information out to as many people as possible so they can self-study. Uh, and they can do it on their own. This, this stuff isn't quantum physics. It's it's pretty natural. And the more you learn about it, the more you realize how much you already know. It's just having a process to be able to implement it. And that's what my focus has been. And uh, it Wonderful. works. I, I love the impact it has on people.
0: Yeah. Jeffrey, thank you so much. This has just been a real pleasure. I encourage the audience to reach out, get connected, check out the website, check out what Jeffrey and his team can do for you. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. Do you enjoy the Human Capital Innovations podcast? Enjoy ad-free listening by going to the Patreon page, and please consider contributing even at the producer or sponsorship level. And please leave a review. Thank you for your support.